Tis a gift to be simple, tis a gift to be free. Uh, welcome back, another episode of the show. You're on the show and you're listening. Uh, my co-host uh, today, special guest, Matthew, how are you doing? You can't open the show with that again. Nobody knows what it means. Okay. Huh? It's, uh, don't worry, it's okay. I'm doing good. You know what? It's a beautiful day. We're into summer now. Let's all enjoy a good time at the movies, even if we have to stay home to do it. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's so beautiful outside today. There's a tornado warning. Well, you know, I mean, there's never been a tornado in this area, like, ever. You know, we're fine. I wish there was. Why? Yeah, that seems cool. Did you see that Mark Wahlberg tried to support BLM? Yeah, I just saw that earlier today. Um, see, Mr. Wahlberg, I think we talked about we talked about uh, some of his uh, more egregious actions on the show, right? Like you? No, yeah, you we... haven't mentioned it at all. I don't think so. Look, we didn't. We don't need to rehash this too much. But basically, Mark Wahlberg, when he was a young uh, Boston teen. He was a bit of a delinquent. Uh, yeah, to put it mildly. A couple of hate crimes here and there. Yeah. Um, and you know what? He's, uh, of course, you know, now for him at this moment, and I'm not excusing what he did, but it's kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because if he doesn't, if he yeah. doesn't say everything, people go, oh, yeah, Mark Wahlberg's racist. We all know this because he did this. And if he says something, then people go, well, you can You don't have the right to say this. You're racist because you did this. So, mm-hmm. you, Mark, you might you get uh, you have my sympathies, even though you did really horrible stuff. Has he ever? Do you know if he's ever like publicly apologized for any of he that? He has. Supposedly, he contacted one of the v- the the older Vietnamese men that he assaulted uh, later in life, yeah. um, and said that. He was sorry. I mean, not 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 really much you can say. Like, hey, sorry, man, I I really beat the crap out of you that one time. And it's like, all right, <laughs> yeah, it's okay, I guess. Yeah, like I'm sure the guy was Russian. Uh, you know, saying like, I, I I appreciate your apology so much. Like, we are in great terms now. Thank you, thank you so much. You know what? He's got. <laughs> you know what? Hey, nobody's perfect. I gotta work it. That's what Hannah Montana said. And everybody commits a hate crime now and again. Yeah, you know what? Hey, if we look into my past, man, you don't even know what you're gonna find. Okay, so let's just stay out of it and make everybody happy. You know, because like uh, like Animal Crossing fans making their little ethno states. And it's and it's truly as a great man once said, it's tis the gift to be simple, tis the gift to be free. And I sort of subscribe by that philosophy every day, and that's what keeps me going. It's a good philosophy to live by. All right, Lucas, what piece of crap are we reviewing today? Well, we're not reviewing a piece of crap today. We are reviewing a film today, and that film is called Samurai Cop. Yeah, it's. Not short for call to personality. He is a policeman. Yeah, samurai cop. Um, I didn't even bother looking into the background of this movie. It sucks so bad. Um, what? This movie is so bad. 
uh, no, sorry. Uh, go ahead. Do you want to say something about it? Yeah, yeah. It's Samurai Cop with the tagline: "You have the remi- you have the right to remain silent, dead silent." Now this stars Robert Zadar and Matt Hannon, and it's one action-packed flick. It's a much much must-watch for all of you uh, film connoisseurs out there. Yeah, this one really is one for the ages. Uh, AFI mm-hmm. is going to be recognizing this as one of the great movies in a few years. You just watch out. Um, I hope so. Apparently, the movie has become became viral because of the scene that we actually both love in this film, which is the horny nurse <laughs> scene, which is an excellent exchange and a, and a great masterpiece. Of, of quick filmmaking there in that two minutes. Mm-hmm. But I don't know much else about this. It's a direct-to-video film. This is not in theaters. God, I would have loved to see it in theaters. You would add nothing from seeing this movie in theaters. The crowd. Oh, you know what? Maybe if the park, uh, the park theater ever comes back to life, we'll have a showing. Yeah. I don't know, though. It's like... Wh- <laughs> It I'll a, a a crowd screening would be nice, uh, if everybody said bingo when he says bingo and we all get our stethoscopes. That'd yeah. Anyway, I wonder if like the park theater, if I could like go there and I and I'd be like, could I do a screening of a movie here? You're opening a big can of worms there, buddy. I don't know about <laughs> that. You know what? You could try. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't hurt. I'm sure there. There has to be an easy way to screen this film. Make it happen. Yeah. Hashtag put Samurai Cop in the park theater. Hashtag sa- Make it trending. Hashtag Samurai Cop Park Theater. Theater spelled with a T-R-E like Canadians do at the end. So don't mess it up. Put it on Twitter. Hashtag Ugh. it. Hashtag it. Uh, Ma- Matt, please... Uh, give our weekly plot summary of this movie, please. Like, okay, so basically, you have this cop. His name's Joe. He comes down from San Diego because mm-hmm. some folks down in... It's in L.A., right? Yeah. The L.A. Police Department has their hands full because they're dealing with the infamous Katana gang who are dealing plenty mm-hmm. of dope. On the streets of Los Angeles, so him and his partner Frank are sent down to take him down, and uh, Joe, of course, is the titular samurai cop because he trained in Japan with the masters. So he's got some funky, fresh moves, as the kids say. Yep. Yeah. Do you want me to go? Is is that all you're gonna? Is that it? Like, do you want me to go over? I mean, it's it's a this the plot of this film is fairly straightforward. You, you're not even gonna mention his uh, his buddy Frank. I said him and Frank. Oh, did you? Sorry, I sorry. Basically, you know, they go from one fight to another, and there's some sex scenes in between, and you know, it's. Alright, I'm I'm done with you disrespecting this it's movie. Kind, it's I'm kind done. of like Forty Eight Hours if the movie was crap. So. You, Mm-hmm. If you want to watch a good movie, just watch 48 Hours instead. Tell right. me why you like this movie. Why I like yeah. it? 
<laughs> okay, so I enjoy... I, I like... I have fun watching this movie. I don't think it's particularly good. Um, but I don't... It's just so funny. I could go over, like, things that I find funny about it. But one thing that I said about um, Who Killed Captain Alex, which I'll also say about this movie, is that this movie could very easily have been a good movie. Okay. And I think how it could have been better was, I, number one, there are a lot of editing and camera issues with this yes. movie. The editing in this movie is hilarious. Yeah, it's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the editing and the camera work, if that was better, the dubbing, um, there's like... There's a few scenes where all of the characters are dubbed by the director and they all just have the same voice. Like, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it, I don't know why. And, like, even main cast will just suddenly be dubbed over by the director. I don't know what was the issue there. Maybe he just thought his voice would fit better. I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, lots of dubbing issues. Um, like in the right hands, a, like a movie about a cop who is also a samurai could be like intentionally campy and fun, I think. And there are some scenes in this movie where if like a good director had made it, you would justify that they're supposed to be that way. But because we know that it's a bad director, we watch those scenes and then we just think of them as bad. I can see what you're saying because the thing of, I thought after finishing this movie is that it it very much feels like a film that you would go down to the video store, pick it up because it was in the bargain bin, and then you just find this gem of a piece of garbage movie where it just has all, mm -hmm. the, all these cop cliches, this awful wooden delivery of all dialogue, these weird camera angles. So it does kind of have that quality of endearment in that regard. I guess you're right that it, the idea could have been like something satirical. Like I'm trying to, I'm saying, I'm liking it to Black Dynamite. If for those who've seen that, which is like a black a parody of black exploitation movies, and that could have been. Sorry, what movie did you say you? Black could've... Dynamite. Oh yeah. And it kind of reminds me of that in that same vein. I mean, you'd have to fix a lot about this movie to make it good. Like, all of the script, for example, which is hilarious to hear spoken out loud. But I can agree. There's stuff to enjoy about this movie, for sure. First of all, I watched the uh, 1080p Blu-ray rip. And, um, Me and too. It's, and I usually don't compliment this, because this is more of a, like a camera thing. Like, But um, I thought the, the picture was really crisp. Um, so, yeah. you know, one thing that I can say about this movie is that all the scenes were shown in a very clear way, if that's a, if that's yep. a perk I want to unload onto this movie. Um, you know what, it's, uh, it's an interesting picture in the sense that it's got a pretty decent budget. It feels actually like it has a bigger budget than regular direct-to-video movies do. You got like a guy on fire in the beginning. You got like some grenade explosions. You got some some mm -hmm. decent choreography. But the thing about the movie that makes it so uncanny is that it's just so it has all these weird smirks, uh, and these weird sexual innuendos peppered out that are <laughs> that are just so funny to bear witness to, 
because it just doesn't feel like real life at all. These people act like robots. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I think one of the best parts of this movie is just the... I guess it may be due in part to the dubbing. Do you know how much of the movie was dubbed? I mean, not not offhand, but like I I I recognize whenever something is dubbed. Right. I, I don't know. Just the the delivery of lines in this is extremely awkward from almost every character. Uh, most <laughs> most notably from Mad Hannon. Anytime he has to act smooth, um, he just comes off as a psychopath attempting human behavior. The nurse scene in particular is, is just like the best example of that because, you know, nobody has these kind of exchanges and nobody <laughs> talks like that. And honestly, frankly, no offense to Matt Hatton, but nobody looks like that. Do you want to know why a lot of the dialogue is why, is like how it is? I, I think I know why, but continue. It's because the director's first language is in English. Really? Or was in English. I think he's passed. And when Matt Hannon, like, signed on, he asked, like, and he said to the director, he's like, you know, not a lot of people, like, talk like this. Like, do you mind if I switch some of the script up? And he was like, yeah, sure. And then that never happened. So then what we got was the... uh, yeah, sorry for my bad English version of this. Well, yeah, you know that actually uh, makes a lot of sense because it does come. The film script does come off kind of ESL, English second mm-hmm. language. Uh, and this was, uh, you're right. He actually has passed. He passed in 2006. The director is a Persian man named Amir Shirvan, and he wrote it and directed this film. This was actually his last film. He had a few, he had yeah. a few films in the 80s. Uh, names including Young Rebels, Hollywood Cop, and Killing American Style, which sounds cool. Uh, Hollywood Cop is also on the list because that's another big cult movie. We're not doing another one of these. There's no gut. We're doing another one of these. We're not doing another one of these. We're not doing another Star Trek. It's over. You lost your chance. We'll see. We won't won't Uh, see anything. We will. Now, one of, like, I just thought of an example of, like, how this movie, if, like, it was made by anyone else, we would just excuse it as satire. And I was thinking of the Peggy character in this movie, and she's basically just, like, the office slut character, Uh and she, like, hits on all the cops and whatever, and it reminded me of Hot Fuzz. Yes, that actually seems the same, I agree, with Doris. Yeah. And in that movie, she's also just like, you know, the office slut or whatever. And, um, and yeah, and in this movie with Peggy, like, there's just a scene where she's standing with one of the other cops. I forget what his name is. And then she's like, hey, let's call him Tommy. She's like, we have nothing else to do. Let's fuck. <laughs> and he just, he's like, shut up. <laughs> and I'm like, I swear this is supposed to be. Like, intentionally funny. I don't know. That was pretty funny. And the thing with that is that it, it's clever because, um, you know, it, it implies that there's a history there um, and that <laughs> and that he's kind of like Pat is over it and he doesn't really want to hear that crap from her anymore. So you're right. There are some yeah. inspired moments like that in the movie. Even, like, the bingo scene. It's just hilarious <laughs> in particular. Or, like, 
when um even the just smaller stuff like and it's so unintentionally funny like when in the middle of the film he gets into a fight with uh one of the heads of the katana clan and he shoots him down uh and then frank just looks down and he's like hmm, i think you killed him <laughs> and he just said that so nonchalantly and matter-of-factly and i think a big thing with the uncanny effect of the dialogue is that a lot of there's not a lot of score in this movie um i found like uh, there's quite a bit of music in it. Like, I, th- I, I think that be- there's some of the scenes where people are talking feel so static is because I think, like, I don't think the soundtrack was utilized to its full potential just because it felt like a lot of the time there was this, uh, you know, as we in the radio business called dead air, so to speak. And an example, mm-hmm. and this is kind of similar to something that happened in Mommy Dearest, I believe in which shots linger too long. And this is another great yeah. uncanny moment. Frank is getting uh, reamed out by his uh, police chief boss. And I have to say, I love this character because... I love him so much. He's just the police chief character from every cop movie, and he's just angry. And that's his whole character. There's nothing else to him. He just... But they, like, dialed it up even Yeah, further. and he's, he's so abrasive. Like, one of the Katana clan's lawyers comes in, and they say, well, you're going to be hearing from my client. And he's like, fuck you and fuck your client. <laughs> uh, but then in the scene, uh, Frank, uh, the police chief closes his eyes. And then Frank goes over, gives him a kiss and runs away. And then he goes, you bastard, you motherfucker. And then it holds on him where normal movies would cut away to the next scene. It holds on him for like seven seconds. And then you see his, him turn, like start smiling. And then he gives himself a little chuckle and reclines in his chair. And then he sh- you, the camera's on it for five more seconds. And that seems like something that would, they would have put in the blooper reel, but they just decided to keep that in the movie. I, I think what happened there is he actually forgot to say cut. And they just decided to keep that portion? Yeah, because, like, how... Why I think that is because, like, he's, he, he screams at him. He's like, you son of a bitch! And he's, like, pointing at him. And then he just kind of freezes and holds that point for a bit. Mm. And then, like, he just kind of, like, slowly goes back into his chair and then, like, closes his eyes and then starts laughing. I think he just forgot to say cut. I think so, too. Or I don't know if he was doing... I don't know if the director was doing it as, like, a prank or if he... I don't know. What, the results were worth it, I would say, though. <laughs> And, but there's another scene like that where they, I was like, I can't believe they kept this in. And it's just one scene where uh, Peggy, Frank, uh, Joe, and the other guy, I forget his name, they're talking about the Katana gang. And then the other guy just like stutters. And I'm like, they kept that in? Like, he was like, the, uh, the, the, the Katana gang. And I was like, what? You know what? I appreciate that because, you know, you're watching these movies. You never see people sneeze randomly. You never see them stutter in yeah. conversation. That happens in real life, guys, I have to tell you. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, and that was probably the only natural part of this whole movie. Truly. <laughs> even, like, even the weird sex scenes in this movie are, are so awkward. 
Like, there's how many? They're not even that they're bad. Not, I pretty... just think the director really wanted to see some some. Movies. I understand that. Like, as I, I assume as like it's sort of direct a video budget. They're like, okay, hey, we'll if we put some sex in this movie, then it'll spice up sales a little. So I can appreciate the hustle. But once again, yeah. these sex scenes just have this weird static energy about them. Um, they usually, I think, don't have music, and then the characters are just kissing and fondling each other. Um, and it's did you not hear? There's there's music all the time. You know what? Maybe in the movie. Yeah. It's 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 very uh, played under. I think like if you just pick a given maybe. scene, I think that there isn't as much music as you think. But regardless, um, those sex scenes are more uncomfortable to watch. And I don't really find sex scenes uncomfortable to watch when they're done well. But these ones are pretty... They're basically gratuity for the sake of gratuity. They don't actually serve any function to the plot. So they're kind of out of place and they're kind of awkward to watch. They're barely sex scenes. They're just making out and you see a girl's boob. I know, and that's and that makes it even weirder. Weirder. They don't go all the way. It's like <laughs> this weird softcore pornography feel when I'm watching this movie. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. What is that? Is that now? Am I wrong? If you're gonna, no, if you're gonna fair. go all in, then let's let's go all in. Okay, you know, let's see some. Let's make something happen. Okay. The funniest part about this, too, like, there's just so many things wrong with the movie. I I don't even know if there's very much else I can like compliment other than I think the idea was good. But like, for example, um. Like the editing in this is so weird. Like they'll be doing a sex scene with like music playing and then all of a sudden the music will stop the scene will stop and it'll just transition into people walking down the street or the most mundane thing ever <laughs> and it's just so blunt <laughs> without any like usually when there's like a sensual scene they'll kind of like fade out because you need a second to like readjust yeah. um but in this like it just goes boom boom and then it's just, I don't know, uh, Mr. Joe walking down the street and he finds a quarter or something. Um, and another thing that's so funny about this movie is that the the Katana gang, which is this Japanese gang, has like three Asian guys. And then the rest are all black or Hispanic <laughs> or there's, there's some white guys. And I also have to say, the leader of the Katana gang is a very nice guy. Like, when they're having their little family lunch together. Are you talking about Fujiyama? Fuji, Fuji, Fujiyama. You know what? And the thing with Fujiyama is that... Sorry. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. The thing with Fujiyama is that... And I looked this up after. I was watching this guy trying to act. And I was like, this guy comes off as a Japanese-American man being forced to play typical yes. Japanese man. I look it up. This dude was born in California. And you can kind of <laughs> tell by the accent because it's like he's trying to yes. force it to be like the typical Japanese. So I thought that was funny. His character is like, is I guess kind of the B villain in this because the big villain is, of course, Yamashita, played by the Robert mm-hmm. Zadar. This man has a chin like Hercules um, and Arnold Schwarzenegger to combined. The, it's insane. He, he's 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 uh, he's kingly. All right, it's an appearance. His character is funny in this because he he tries to play like a silent samurai, like skilled warrior type, but it just comes off insane. Also, he is kind of insane. 
in one scene when they're having a shootout, he just starts killing his men for no reason. He has the code of silence. Yeah, the <laughs> there's like one part where his men have been shot three times. He looks at them on the ground, shoots them some more. I don't really know how much more <laughs> silencing you can get out of that. But um, uh, Robert Zadar has also unfortunately passed. I would have loved to have met him. Yeah, he did pass uh, uh, about five years ago. <laughs> Uh, but Matt Hannon is still kicking around. He did do that inf- interview with Red Letter Media for those who are interested. There's also a sequel now, too. Yeah, uh, I don't really know if I can, you know, condone that. But, um, but yeah, Fujiyama, he's so cute. Like he, he has these. <laughs> what did you mean he, by this? He, I, I'll explain. Like he has these little family dinners with the gang and then when the, his lawyer comes in he's like hey oh hey tony come have a seat you're late and he's like sorry and he's like no it's okay and then he has like he's like hitting on this white girl named jennifer and he buys her gifts <laughs> um there's this one scene with jennifer's mom where um she's like mr fuji i'm a planned your birthday party and got you gifts <laughs> And it's just like, oh, what a sweet old man. Actually, yeah, that is... And he has... Oh, sorry. What's that? No, no, it's okay. I, no, it is funny, especially his his weird relationship with Jennifer, because he's like, she's really reluctant, and she doesn't really get why this old Japanese man <laughs> is trying to court her, but he seems so eager to please. Yeah, and I love his mullet, too. It's so luscious, and he has, like, just this thick i don't even know like almost like a southern accent yeah i don't know he's got he's got something going on i don't know i don't know where he's from well i know where he's from he's from los angeles but i don't know where he's he's trying to pretend to be from i don't know like he i feel like the director wanted him to sound like uh newt gunray or whatever his name is uh from star wars but instead he sounds like I don't know, your racist uncle from the South. <laughs> Wait, who's New Gunray? Like the Viceroy. The oh, big, tall, geez. gray alien uh, Phantom dude. Menace? Yeah, well, he's in all of the uh, uh, the prequels, but yeah. Oh, yeah, that guy. He gets killed by Anakin, I think, in Revenge of the Sith. Sorry if that's a spoiler to any nobody, of you if you're really looking out for gives a damn. Newt Gunray. Yeah, people are really up for uh, Newt Gingrich, whatever the hell this is. Uh, I want to talk about the characters for a little bit. I want to talk about a little bit. So we talked a little bit about Yamashita, but I want to talk about Joe Marshall in this. Because I love okay. his character um, because it's, it, it's so poorly done. Joe is supposed to be like this samurai warrior guy with training, but he's also trying to be like this brash, bold cop womanizer. Uh, but he just kind of plays a generic jackass. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's not particularly nice. He's always he's always going in guns a blazing. In fact, the first I, I I don't know if this is something I would have noticed. Um, in a good cop movie, but I noticed that in the uh, scene where they're trying to bust the cocaine, he just opens fire on these guys when they haven't fired a shot. Um, and he's uh, he's exactly the kind of cop that would have the chief going, you're costing this department too much damn money. He's funny just because he's he kind of thinks he's clever. He thinks he's really smooth, but he's not. And that's made to him. 
I can't tell if that's because the director kind of wanted to go in that direction or if just because the script is so bad that it can't make him look slick. But he's a he's got a he's got a nice flow of hair too, so it's nice to see him around. And uh, he also has a pretty buff upper body. This dude, Holy this shit. dude is packing. I want to see this guy fight Nada from They Live. I want to see <laughs> that happen. I want to smash. I want to smash Bro Styles game with cult television and movie characters. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Joe looks like he could lift a freaking Atlas stone. Yeah, he's a big guy. He looks. I mean, he looks like a bodybuilder. He doesn't really have any of the temperaments you would think of a, a samurai. Although perhaps you know, I shouldn't comment given my limited knowledge on samurai warrior temperament. But oh well, you know, he's he's a cool, he's a cool guy. He's in the cool guy. I'd hang out with him. The, the thing that's funny to me, or it's actually, it's more uncomfortable than anything, but sometimes funny. Um, this movie has like a weird uh, racial overtones with black people yeah. for no reason. There's so, there's so many times where, um, there's a couple of times where they make this joke repeatedly. So Frank is his partner and I guess they're good friends, but then, um, they have this joke repeatedly where Frank will be like, man, the chief's going to fry my ass. And then, and then the Joe will say something to the effect of, well, they, your ass is already fried. It's black. Remember? <laughs> and they do it like three times in the movie. I'm not really sure what they meant by that. Um, he's like, yeah, he's going to, he's going to fry it. Charcoal black. <laughs> and then Frank was like, it is black. And then he's like, right on. And they <laughs> high five. I love Frank in this movie because he really doesn't feel like an actor. He feels like he doesn't put any, like, I don't think any drama or emotional gravitas in the role. He's really vibing on the set of this. He's just kind of like nervous, chuckling around, looking around at curiosity, observing things. He seems like he's having a jolly good time. And he's honestly my favorite part of this movie, I would say. It's just fun to ride along with Frank. Yeah, I my favorite scene, maybe even more so than the bingo scene, is they're doing some detective work. There's a fence. Joe climbs over top of it. Frank goes underneath. Joe asks Frank, why'd you go under? There's dramatic silence. We're all wondering, why did Frank go under? What? What was his reason? And Frank then tells us, because I'm an undercover cop. And then he laughs and looks directly into the camera. He does it a couple it's of beautiful. times where he'll like do a smirk and then he'll look at the camera like he's Jim from The Office. <laughs> and I love those scenes. I don't know if that was meant to be like fourth wall breaky or if it was just supposed. It was just like poor cinematography and camera work. But it's great every time he does it. Obviously, in the nurse scene, he's looking at the camera a few times. But there's a also a scene. I can't remember where it is. Like. A, about halfway through the movie where he cracks a joke. I think during the charcoal black scene, he looks directly at the camera, gives a little chuckle, and then they move on their way. But uh, I think Frank knows he's actually a character in a film, and that's why he acts the way yes. he does in this movie while everybody else is, you know, trying their best to ham it up. Well, there's another scene where, like, uh, the Katana gang have had enough of Frank and Joe, and they send some thugs out to to break their legs 
and uh, Frank was having a shower in his, at his place. He comes out of the bathroom, and then these two thugs grab him and put a knife to his a wiener, and the one guy is like, tell us where he lives, or I'll relieve you of this gift. This black gift. <laughs> and I was like, what? Like, what? what? I'm like, alright, yeah, it's it's with so black. You're right. <laughs> hey, you know what? This was uh this was SNLA a year before the Rodney King riot. So the racial tension on the set of this film must have been huge. It was like it was yeah. you could cut it like the air like butter over there. You know? Mm-hmm. It was crazy. <laughs> but um, you know what? It's it's and it's, I'm glad you talk about. Uh, you mentioned the scene where they go to his wiener because there's there's this weird stretch of the film that I I don't like, and this is might come off as a weird complaint, but it's weird. There's this weirdly sadistic streak in the third act of the movie, where the characters just go around torturing and killing police members and <laughs> and members of their family. Like they go to that older guy's house who was joking around with yes. Jennifer. They just slice his wife's neck open, and then they stab him a bunch of times. And I was like, okay. And then they go to Jennifer's house and they're torturing her by pouring hot oil all over her. And I was like, this is a little much. Like, I don't really, I don't really know who, what's going on here. I just love the Jennifer scene because like she's just in her kitchen cooking oil. For yeah, there's some nothing in the pan. Reason she, you know, and I'll, I'll applaud Jennifer. She gets a few hooks in, and she almost grabs her yeah. gun, but then you know, there's like five guys there, so. it's... She couldn't take them all on. Um, and they're like, ah, where's Joe? And she's like, ah, I'll never tell you. And they pour hot oil on her that she was cooking in a frying pan. Let me tell you, she just put it on the stove. Wouldn't it be that hot? <laughs> Hello? You, you, everyone knows you got to wait like five minutes before you put the egg on. Silly. Doesn't make sense. Yeah, I but I, I want to give more props to the angry captain because like he's really up there with Ice Cube in Twenty One Jump Street, where. No, sorry, yeah, you're right. Like he's I, and that's another thing where it's it om- the movie sort of straddles the line between parody and just like being so bad it's good kind of deal. Where with that character mm-hmm. was that over the top because that's just what uh, Amir Shirvan decided the police chief should be like or is he just imitating other films is he trying to be subversive i really do not know yeah like it's hard to tell sometimes but like he's so good at the end of the movie he's like i'm I'm being fired over this katana case i want you guys to go to that son of bitch's house and turn it into a bloodbath i want you to kill every motherfucker there (laughs) and like it's just so funny. He just like he just turns into like this psychopath at the end of the of the film, and like even when the lawyer comes, it's so funny. He's like, "Get the fuck out of my office!" He's like, "Get a job." Yeah, it's the, I don't know. It's just the so insults in the film are especially funny because they're thrown around like playground stuff. Like Joe Marshall will cr- crashes their dinner, and he's like, "You know what, you motherfuckers." I'm gonna be smearing the wall with your blood or something like that, and it it's just so funny because that's so juvenile that this cop is coming in here and being like "fuck you guys" and then just walking out. I don't know. It was a treat. There was also like another weird racial thing where they go to the restaurant and there's this waiter there, and like the waiter is just like the wacky foreigner. 
Yes. And his like first name is like Ricardo. If you guys have ever seen the sweet life of Zach and Cody, remember when there's like the the bellhop who's named who has a long Spanish name? It's like him mm-hmm. if he was short and like kind of deranged um and like quasi feminine and it's this weird weird delightful character he feels like a caricature or something i'm not really sure what but uh yeah i don't know if he was also supposed to be gay or whatever yeah and yeah he said he said his first name is like francisco alberto romano blah 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 and then frank's like haha what's your last name and then joe's like quit digging around let's go Do you, uh, did you like the effects in this movie? Some of them were decent. Like, I was impressed with the fire effect. Maybe that's because I'm a person who's just kind of impressed by the idea of somebody being on fire. But early in the movie, this guy's on fire. And I was like, yeah, it looks pretty good. There's not really much else. There's, did... what, what, some gunshots here and there. Uh, the, the arm slice is classic. Uh, and initially, it looks, it looks pretty funny, especially when he's lying on the ground. And you can clearly tell it's just like a plastic <laughs> stub. Uh, but you know what, given given the show, the cult of personality, and given that we review B-movies by nature, I would say that the effects in this are not egregious at all. In fact, I never at one point was like, that looks really stupid effect-wise. There's some like weird editing shots for the fight that, of course, are pretty hammy. Some of the sound effects for punching are straight out of Looney Tunes, I swear to God. But uh, it's it's pretty, it works pretty well overall. I just like how sometimes there are uh, squibs for gunshots, and then other times they'll just act like they're being shot. Yeah, there's yeah there are <laughs> yeah sometimes there's some squibs like when uh, when Yamashita is shooting his own men. There's most notably a lot of squibs, but sometimes they just clutch their clutch their side, and it's kind of obvious that they didn't get shot. Like nothing hit them. But oh well, I mean that's that's more an acting thing than an effect thing, I suppose. And, like, in, in this movie, like, the bad guys in this movie basically act like NPCs in any sort of arcade game that you would have played as a kid, like the Simpsons arcade game or something, where they just walk up to you one at a time, uh, you hit them a couple times, they're dead, and then the next guy just, like, comes up. That's basically how they act in this in this. Yeah, movie. Joe plays a lot of Batman. He's like Yamashita sends like five huge guys to fight him, and he kicks all their asses. And he he he, <laughs> he swear to God, he's doing these Batman spin around moves where he's got one guy in a chokehold, he backhands another guy, <laughs> he kicks another guy, he shoots another guy. It's pretty. Uh, it's a sight to behold. I guess that's one of the things. I guess that's the way of showing that he's the samurai cop. Is well, he's Jack, but he's also. Um, a, a really good fighter. I just thought it was funny that they kind of have this idea that he's the samurai cop, and then they have this gang called the Katanas, and they fight, but there isn't really much else in the way of like pathos in the in terms mm-hmm. of like the Japanese heritage idea. Like it doesn't, it's it works great as a title of the movie, but they don't actually use it that much. It's pretty standard cop fare. Yeah, the, you only get that really at the end with the, the final showdown right. between Joe and Yamashita. Which is very dramatic. I actually kind of like that fight scene. Uh, you know, you're waiting for it throughout the whole movie with these two imposing figures. 
and you get some nice cheesy results out of it. So it was pretty enjoyable to see. And it's like a pretty long fight. It's like four or five minutes or so. I don't know if this was a camera thing, like if they're constantly switching cameras or maybe this happened in post, but there's a lot of weird camera effects where like one scene will be blue and the next one will be red and the next one will be purple. Yeah. And then like maybe 10% of the film is like in it's like natural lighting, but the rest has weird saturations to it all the time. I don't know what happened there. It's um yeah I noticed that I'm I um like in the in the scene where he's shooting his way out of a building it's like the scene is so grossly yellow that it looks yes. like, this, like someone pissed on the camera I'm not really sure what happened <laughs> but some but but whichever good camera they used was nice it actually had some crisp bright bright colors like I'm surprised at the production value of some of this movie to be honest. The thing that feels out of place is that when you look at the production value of this movie and you see what the characters are actually saying, uh, and 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 the plot line and stuff. And to be honest, I'm, I mean the plot line is fairly straightforward cop stuff. It's really the dialogue interactions and the other in between stuff that the movie is so laughably bad at that just give it this so bad as good quality, I guess, and that's why people love it so much. Yeah, one one last thing, because I, I don't know how much else I really have to say, is that um, there's a big problem in this movie with settings. Like, they, for example, at the end when they go to Fujiyama's house, they basically use, like, three different houses to make his mm-hmm. house. So you transition from, like, different styles all the time. Like, in Yamashita's house, there's one scene where there's, like, a Pac-Man arcade machine. Oh, yeah, he had Defender in there. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Like, as if... Like, that just adds to him just being a little sweetheart. (laughs) He has, like, a little arcade game for him to play. You just have a crush on him. I don't know (laughs) what to say. I mean, he's a cute little guy, but... uh, (laughs) You know? When When Joe finally woos Jennifer over, he brings her to his place, and, like, it looks like my grandma's house. That was the worst sex scene. Like, they're just... It was just hard to watch. They're just... (laughs) It's... Oh, gross. It's gross. I don't like the sex scenes in this movie. They they needed to be cut out. They don't add anything. Um, And, you know, I'm not watching Samurai Cop to jerk off, okay? I'm watching this to see high-quality buddy cop escapades. And an angry chief going, you're off the case. You son of a bitch. You're costing us so much damn money. Did you like Joe's wig? Uh, I didn't know it was a wig. What? Yeah, I just remembered now because you told me a while ago that, you, that it was a wig. But I just remember now when I was watching this movie, it didn't even occur to me that it was a wig. There, there's only a few scenes where he's wearing the wig because he got called back and he like shaved his head and he's like, oh fuck, I have to do this again. Which scene? So they made him a. So, um, the first scene that we see him when he steps out of the office with Frank and he's wearing this hat on his head, it's like just sitting on his head. He's not even wearing it on top of this huge monstrous wig. And then in the fight scene with uh, Yamashita at the end, there's a scene. I think it was either with Yamashita or um, who did Gerald Akamura's character? What was his character called? Uh, Akamura. 
Oh, no, what, what was his real name then? Gerald Nakamura. Oh, he played... <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, I know. That was kind of funny, too, when I was looking at the cast listing. That's like that... Yeah, and Gerald, like, Akamura is, like, an actual martial artist. Yeah, he's uh... the guy in the... Is he the guy in the beginning who's uh, beating the... Beating up some of the Katana gang? No, no, he's part of the Katana gang. Uh, he's the guy that Joe fights eventually, and he's like, I'm unarmed. Are you gonna shoot me or fight me like a man? Oh yes. And then they, uh, they fight. Um, oh, what was I saying about? I'm sorry. Oh, when they were fighting, there's a scene where it's either with him or with Yamashita. He pulls like Joe back, and then his wig falls off. Really? Yeah. That's funny. I didn't actually notice. Yeah. That's because I'm I'm blind. But I but those yeah. are some luscious locks. I gotta say, they pulled it off. They pulled off those few wig scenes. Better or worse than... I know it's a dead horse, but better or worse than Henry Cavill's mustache in Justice League. I, I, I don't know. I haven't seen the movie. This guy hasn't even seen Justice League, the biggest movie event of the 21st century. Everybody laugh. Ha ha ha. Well, how have you... It's worse than uh, Ewan McGregor's fake beard in Attack of the Clones. See, I didn't even, I didn't even realize that. It's so bad. I'd have to go back and watch that. I didn't know he had a fake beard in Attack of the Clones. For some scenes, because they had to redo them. I, I, for a lot of the movie? Uh, there's one scene with, like, the Camino at, at Camino where it's, like... And I always thought as a kid, I'm like, why does he look so weird in this scene? There's, like, that scene, the scene where he goes to visit, uh... What's his name? Rex? Uh... And uh, a couple other scenes where he has a, the fake beard, and you can just like see through it because it's so sparse, and you can just see his whole chin, and it looks so bad. I didn't notice. Those are the kind of things, and it makes me think like, would I have even noticed Henry Cavill's mustache in Justice League if it wasn't for people telling me? I don't know. But I don't scrutinize movies like that. It takes a lot of people and a lot of charisma and a lot of a lot of hoo ha to make a movie. So if you gotta get use a couple of yeah. wigs in there because Joe cut his hair because he was tired of using uh, a couple bottles of Head and Shoulders each day, that's his prerogative. I'm gonna let him do it. Well, even think about like there's some great wigs. Think about Pulp Fiction. They were they were killing Those it. Those were some good wigs. I wonder why. Uh, yeah. I wonder what Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, when was the last time he could actually grow that hair? I don't know. He was supposed to have an afro. Like, this is just like everyone knows this. But he was supposed to have an afro, but they fucked up and sent him, like, the shorter uh, wig. And then it's, it still worked out well. That makes sense, actually. I like the shorter wig, though, because, I mean, you're going you're gonna to get the big, poofy afro. Like, yeah, big deal. We get it. <laughs> yeah, it's, he's black. All right. We know. Yeah. We know. Yeah. Do you have anything else you'd like to say about this movie? No, it's a big piece of shit, but it's fun to it watch. It is a big piece of shit. It's fun to watch. The only... This is a, actually a pretty enjoyable movie. It's so bad, it's good, and I think done right. The only thing with this movie is that, like all so bad, it's good movies, there's parts of it where it's just bad. I actually found a lot of the action scenes were not very exciting to watch. They weren't shot, interestingly, and they weren't riveting yeah. at, in any way. So, given that this is an action film, it kind of detracts from the film. There's some. There's a few boring parts between some of the hilarious dialogue uh goofs and quips here and there 
But overall, I actually enjoyed this film more than I did the first time I watched it. I watched it with Lucas first time a while back, and it was hilariously bad, but I was also pissed that I watched it. It's a bit more enjoyable on a subsequent viewing when you can kind of take all the wackier elements in stride, uh, and when you realize that there's no hope of this being anything redeemable, really. <laughs> so what do you, how many bags do you give it at? Uh, I'm going to give it the same that I gave Who Killed Captain Alice. I'm going to give it a two. Two is basically going to be my lowest, like, score for I what I consider to be still a movie. Like, uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2 was barely a movie. So that's why it got one for me. So this will, this will get a two. This, well. That's insulting because this movie, it's a movie. It's It has a full plot. It has... You know, it's got the big fight, it's got the actors, it's got the romance. The, you know, Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2, like, that's literally half of the film. Yeah, that's why it's a one. That is, okay, that's fair. You know what, I'm going to give this one, I enjoyed it more than I thought, I'm going to give this one two bags. Because I think overall, it's, uh, it's, it's a decent... It has some redeeming... It has... The so bad it's good is just to the point where it's tolerable. Anything else, and then, you know, you're really, uh... You're really pushing my patience here. But it's a nice two-bag movie. Watch it with a friend. Watch it maybe once or twice, and then, you know, either buy the Blu-ray or just forget about it. I still have to buy a copy of uh, of it on Blu-ray, which I'm going to do eventually. The Blu-ray cut is uh, it's crisp quality. You won't uh, you won't regret it, guys, if you haven't seen it. I of course purchased the Blu-ray uh, for the of my viewing for this week's episode of Cult of Personality, as I always do. Right. Um. Yeah. I just I just got a copy of Days and Confused on DVD. Oh, kind uh, of. Oh. Yikes. But here's the thing. I've been eyeballing the Criterion Collection version of it for so long and it's like oh it's 50 goddamn dollars with shipping you just like, dude you wait it, for the criterion sales that they have all the time i don't know if you guys know but if you're buying criterion collection films for full price you're a huge chump you yeah they have like they have two big 50 percent off sales every year and then they'll have like little sale flash sales here and there they're basically like the michael's of movies where if you ever been to michael's you know that to get the full experience you really get the coupons as we speak there is a 30 percent off all disc sale through june 15 so 30 percent off really yeah and i just went on the site because i knew there would be a sale here so i i like criterion uh, i have a f i have what one film of them but uh I like yeah i have like i think five criterion collection movies now uh but yeah they're like they're all so good the packaging is great they like just stuff them with extras and the movies always look so clean sound great but yeah like it was like seven dollars for the days and confused thing so i was like yeah i'll just get it it comes with some like anti-drug psas which i really really love like all the ronald reagan stuff i mean i don't was Ronald Reagan 70s? No, that would have been like uh, Nixon, Carter, or no, yeah, or, yeah, and Lyndon B. Johnson. 
like all of the uh like if you ever go to an arcade and you have like those old machines that have the winners don't play winners don't use drugs before uh you play the game that's awesome hey and they're right by the way Mm -hmm. they don't they do not uh i'm gonna open up the window here yeah this was a short one uh, usually they're shorter for piece of shit movies. But... I mean, like this this movie doesn't have a lot of this is this movie isn't a thematically complex film. It's a piece yeah. of shit movie that's kind of haha funny sometimes. So yeah, how long was our Captain Alex episode? That I'm pretty sure that's been like the shortest one. It's like forty five minutes or something. Although to be fair, that film is an hour, so you know. Yeah. Uh, this one is about I think close to two hours. Supposed to feature length, or I guess that. And every minute, minute of it, you'll enjoy. No, I really don't think you will, unless you have uh, a couple of screws loose, or you got some cognitive cognitive disorder or something. It's a, it's a movie, but uh, that's all I'll say about it. Also picked up a copy of Loaded by the Velvet Underground, their last album with Lou Reed on it. It's gonna be a great time. Have you heard uh, his collab, Reed's collaboration with Metallica? Lulu. Lulu. I've not listened to it. Uh, from what I've heard, people say it's poo poo. So, but maybe one day I'll get around to it. It's it's mostly spoken word by Lou Reed, and then with some backing vocals by Metallica, and uh, I guess. I mean, David Bowie said it was one of his best work. One of Lou Reed's yeah, best work. One of Lou Reed's best work. I don't know, but all that his Velvet Underground stuff is pretty good. No, oh. well, uh, we'll uh, we'll talk about it next week when we review Lulu on the show. We'll we'll do uh we'll do a cop music episode. And and how does that relate to the show? Tell me. We'll pick cult albums. And that's it. Name a cult album. Yeah. I'm, I'll wait. Plantasia. N- name another. You asked for one, I gave you one. So we're going to have a show about Plantasia, and that's it then. Well, no, we'll do we'll do other ones as well. Name another one off the top of your head. I'm waiting. Off the top of my head? Literally, and just name one other. Uh, ex-military. Debatable. That's it. Loveless. That I don't know if that counts. In the airplane over the sea. Loveless is kind of the Star Wars of albums because it's very popular, but the production value for this album was also huge. So it was yeah. kind of it's kind of like a blockbuster, but okay. Yeah, we're not doing those. We're in, not. We don't review pieces. In the airplane albums. over the sea. No, that album sucks. It doesn't. It's crap. All right, Siskel, you want to cut? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you watch it, uh, if you listen to Neutral Milk Hotel, stop watching the show. Just turn it off right now. I'm done. That's my piece. All right, I need to use a washroom. I'm struggling here, so this is the second time that Lucas has ended the show early because he needs to use the washroom. What's wrong? Yeah, with I'll you? have the extra cheesy cheese bread with the Parmesan cheese on top and a glass of milk, please. Yeah, and don't forget to uh, stuff the cheese, please. I'll also take the uh, the cheesy cinestics with uh, a little <laughs> bit of uh, <laughs> a cheddar dip, if you know what I'm saying. And some fondue for the table, please. <laughs> Lactose people, 
uh, just self-destructive. They're masochists. They are. Like, someone has, like, a gluten uh, intolerance. They'll be like, okay, I'll pay 10 extra dollars for the gluten-free bread, please. And then, like, I'll be like, yep, whole pizza. Let's go. One meal. Thank you. That's because Thank lactose you. people are like, oh, I'll eat cheese and I'll fart a little. And then people who are gluten allergy will be like, I'll eat gluten and my intestines will engulf and will start <laughs> consuming themselves. So it's a bit of a, That's fair. It's a, bit of a stark difference there. All right, that's it for today, I guess. What are we reviewing next week, Lucas? Uh, that's a great question. Give me one second. Yeah. <laughs> Let's check on the old Instagram. Cop podcast. Uh, next week, we are doing Day, Day of the Dead. Day of the Dead, so we're completing the trilogy of sorts from George Romero. Mm-hmm. We're looking at Day of the Dead, we're going to finish it out. It's going to be pretty good. I like the movie. It's kind of a spoiler. I like it too. It's kind of a spoiler, but I like the movie. <laughs> it's, uh, it's no Dawn of the Dead. But the question is, can it be night for second place? Well, yeah, I don't want to spoil anything. Well, you are... <laughs> You didn't spoil anything. You just did. No, I didn't. You just spoiled it. I said, well. No. We know now. No. Because uh, the show I, is over. That gives you nothing. Huh? The show is over. Uh, are we watching Black Klansman later? They don't need to know about our personal plans. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's not an essential element of the show. It's essential. Uh, guys, listen, we're going to be watching Black Klansman later together, probably at my this is house. With Luke's, You're not this is Luke's like, weird way of holding me accountable, because now next week, <laughs> if I don't do this, he'll be like, hey, guys, guess who bailed on me when we didn't watch Gla- Black Klansman last week? No, I won't, because no, we've no, done no, that no, before no. on the show, and then you've canceled, and I haven't said anything about it. Oh, uh, you know. Look, guys, I... <laughs> I got things to do sometimes, okay? Alright, I'll see you later. Yeah, I'll see you later. Okay, bye. Okay, bye.